Let's guess what? Next week is Easter. Yeah. <laughs> it's Resurrection Sunday. Yeah. And we love to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. So I'm going to invite you to, to make sure that you come and make sure that you invite someone. Easter and Christmas are two days that people are more likely to say yes to an invitation to come with you to church. And every person I know needs to know about the wonderful resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So I want to ask you this week to be in prayer about next Sunday and be in prayer about who you can invite and, and just be bold ask the Lord for some boldness from him to just invite somebody amen we're going to have a wonderful day also this Thursday is the ladies uh, meeting here at the church downstairs they're going to have a wonderful time so I encourage you ladies to come out for that and um, also um Besides the ladies and the, the Easter, we're going to have a conference later this month, and the conference is uh, for all of the pastors from all over our state that are in our fellowship. And, and uh, the great thing about it is that in the evenings, on Tuesday evening and uh, Wednesday evening, we're going to have service here in the church and everybody's invited. We can all join with them and just have a great time. We have some special speakers that are going to be here. I'm looking forward to that. And so I just want you to be praying about that as well. Today is Palm Sunday. How many like Palm Sunday? Palm Sunday is traditionally considered the beginning of Passion Week. And passion, the word passion comes from the Latin meaning suffering. It's the beginning of the suffering of Jesus. He's headed towards the cross. And today, we're not going to focus on the triumphal entry. We do many Palm Sundays, take our text from Matthew 21 and focus on that. But one thing I do want to point out in, in Matthew 21 in verse 9, it speaks of the multitudes who went before Jesus and those that followed, and they were crying out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And the word Hosanna there is a transliterated uh, word from the Greek, or into Greek, from the Hebrew actually, version of the expression, save us, and it's found in, in uh, Psalm 118. But by this time, in their culture, it was an expression of praise. It was an expression of worship. So it was a, they were just expressing, they recognized, and that Psalm 118 is also a messianic psalm. It was prophetic of the Messiah. So they were acknowledging Jesus as the Messiah and the King of kings and Lord of lords. And as we approach this, just as Liz had that word from the Lord laying on her heart this morning, that Jesus, even though it was his triumphal entry, and the people were coming, and they were celebrating him, in their mind, Jesus 
was the king and he was going to establish his kingdom right then. He was going to overthrow the Romans and kick them out of Israel and he was going to be the king and begin to rule. So in their mind, they didn't understand that he had come for a greater purpose and that will take place one day. Aren't you thankful Jesus will rule and reign forever? Amen. But at this time, he was going to the cross, and they didn't realize that. And he was headed for the worst day in his life. And how many would agree with me today saying that our lives are filled with good days and our lives are filled with bad days? It's part of the world we live in that's fallen, where sin has has, uh, brought in the things that we experience in life that are hurtful and painful and many, many times it's sickness or disease or other things. But today I want us to focus as Jesus came in and began the Passion Week, he was headed to the cross. And I want you to look with me at a verse in Hebrews chapter 12. I want to begin there and then we're going to go back and look at seven verses from the gospel, Gospels. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It's a familiar passage of Scripture. And it has a powerful truth I want you to see. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now listen to this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I want you to think about that for a moment. He knew what he was headed towards. He knew that he was going to die a horrible, painful death on the cross But there was joy on the other side, amen? And because of that joy of the other side of the cross and what it meant for you and what it meant for me, Jesus endured the cross. It says, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, just like us, he had good days and he had bad days. One of the worst days of his life he was headed towards. And then the death on the cross had to be the worst day. We call Good Friday Good Friday, but it's not because Jesus was dying for, for, uh, because he was dying on the cross. It wasn't a good day for him. It was a great day for us because Jesus paid the price for all of our sin, for all the sin that you have ever committed and will future commit because we're not perfect. So we call it Good Friday because it's good for us, but it certainly wasn't good for him. But on the cross, there are seven things that Jesus said. They're short phrases. We call them the seven words from the cross. And I want us to look at those seven words from the cross today 
Because all of us face bad days. We face difficult days. And Jesus faced that horrible death on the cross and he faced it without sinning and he faced it in perfection. And there's truth in that for every one of us today. There are people I know probably here today that you have just gone through one of the worst days in your life. Or maybe you feel like today you're in the middle of that day. We look at the news and we can't imagine the people that are caught up in the war and losing their homes, losing their loved ones, all the material possessions, wondering if they'll have food or clothing or shelter. I can't imagine going through that. But church, Jesus is the answer for all that. Amen. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So when, when we come to the cross, first of all, all of us come to the cross as sinners. We've all failed. We're not perfect. If we go to the Ten Commandments, we can probably check off quite a few of those that we've committed ourselves. So we come as sinners needing a Savior. And we receive Jesus as Lord in our lives and believe that His precious blood was shed for the redemption of our sins. And that when we receive Him as Lord and we believe on Him, guess what? We are cleansed and we are no longer sinners, but we're saved by God's grace. And He says that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How many like that idea? Amen. So we come as sinners, but we also come to the cross as saints that have been redeemed. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the scripture says. But then we have a cross of our own, and we take the pathway of the cross. We live a life that God wants us to live, to please Him, to accomplish His plan and purpose. And so... I want us to see that today as we look at the seven phrases that Jesus spoke of. The last seven words from the cross. First of all, Luke chapter 23. Chapter 23 and verse 34. I like this one. All of us can relate to this. What does he say? Luke 23, 34, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Can you imagine this morning going through all that Jesus went through? The crown of thorns being placed upon His head. His beard being plucked. Being spat upon. Being ridiculed. Being mocked. Being nailed to the cross. Having the the, the Roman soldiers with the cat of nine tails, that whip-like device that had on the ends sharp edges that would cut the flesh. And the Bible says that Jesus was so marred that in looking at him, you wouldn't recognize him as a man. 
Imagine going through all that and then being able to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's powerful. So the first lesson we learn about from Jesus on the cross is forgive everyone who's ruining your life. Amen? And that's not in our flesh, is it? When somebody's ruining our life, they're making our day horrible, what do we want to do? We want to retaliate. We want to say, stop this. And we want to, we want to, in the flesh, just wants to get even. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels to come and take him off of that cross, but he didn't. He didn't stop it. He endured it for the joy that was set before him. The first thing here, it makes us laugh. Why? Because all of us can relate to that. When we're having a bad day, we don't like it and our flesh wants to rise up. But we need to forgive like Jesus did. And in forgiving, Jesus is retaining control of the situation. He wasn't becoming a victim. He was still in control. When you allow someone to ruin your day and you just get mad about it and you, you just get frustrated and you want to retaliate and you just keep thinking about what they did to you and I need to get even, guess what? They're taking up time in your mind when you could be thinking about something a lot more productive. Amen? And it's through the spirit of forgiveness that we are able to no longer yield to anger or hatred or bitterness or rejection or resentment. And it can be physical, it can be emotional, or it can be mental, the torment that we're experiencing. But church, God within us, Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in our lives will enable us to forgive when our flesh isn't able to. Amen? When we come with those genuine hearts of forgiveness, we are still in control of the situation. And we're not allowing anyone or anything else to control our lives. The second thing in Luke chapter 23, verse 43 this time. Verse 43. Luke 23 and 43. Scripture says, And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What a, what a powerful statement from Jesus. The situation there was that Jesus was in between two thieves. They were also hanging on the cross, their own crosses besides him on either side. And they were having a conversation between one another. And one of them, at least, had heard about Jesus and, and who he was supposed to be and why he was hanging on the cross. And it's interesting that one of the thieves is, is filled with cynicism and anger. And in verse 39, look what he says. He says, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. And you can just picture him kind of mocking Jesus. He sees Jesus is on the cross with them. He thinks Jesus is 
doesn't have any hope. And if he was truly the Messiah, he, he, would, he would call those 10,000 angels and come and take him down from the cross. But the other thief, in verse 41, it says, but this man has done nothing wrong. In verse 42, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that's when Jesus said in verse 43, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. The second rule, when you're having a horrible day, listen to this, encourage others who are struggling and uncertain. That's powerful. It's so easy for us to become inward focused and just think about what we're going through, how difficult this is. But he was worried about those around him. They were going through, listen to this, they were going through the same experience Jesus was. They were experiencing the same thing, dying on the cross. Now, they, they weren't beaten as, as he was. They hadn't experienced all the other things that he'd experienced. But they were on the cross, their cross, dying beside him. And I want you to think about this. This is, this is powerful. Jesus was turning and, and encouraging them, or encouraging him, in the midst of his own struggle, in the midst of his own worst day, and think about this. The thief that was struggling on the cross just like Jesus did not have the resources that Jesus had. Now put that in our own life. When we're having a bad day, maybe the same thing that we're going through is affecting those around us. Maybe it's on the job. Maybe something's gone wrong. Maybe the boss is really upset and he's coming down on all of you. Maybe they're experiencing the same thing. As Christians, we don't just focus on ourselves. We encourage those around us. Why? Because we have a resource that they may not have in Christ Jesus. Amen? We know the true and the living God. He is there with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will strengthen us and give us wisdom and power and direction. And He will enable us to make it through those tough times. And those around us may not know Him like that. So we have a resource that they don't. So we speak encouragement and try to minister to them. I love that. The third thing, look at John chapter 19, verse 26. The third thing that Jesus speaks from the cross, John chapter 19, verse 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. Jesus is teaching us the third key here. Be sure that you're taking care of those that are near and dear to you. Jesus is addressing His mother. Can you imagine what Mary was going through watching her son, her firstborn child, 
go through all the torture, all the pain, all the suffering, being nailed to the cross. And she was right there in in support of Him. And the only disciple that was there was John. And John was there. When when the other disciples had left him and forsaken him and ran, they were concerned about themselves and their own well-being. John was there for him. John John was the disciple that was there with Mary. And Jesus, this is powerful, Jesus is not concerned about himself. He is not complaining. He, He isn't saying, hey, would you pray for me? Hey, this really hurts. This is, this is horrible. He wasn't complaining. He wasn't whining. He wasn't crying. He was concerned about others. He was concerned about those that were nearest to him. In this culture, in this time, when a woman lost her husband, and we know that Joseph had already, uh, from the Gospels, he's absent. He had already uh, died. It would have been the responsibility of Jesus as the firstborn to take control in the situation and provide and protect for Mary. Now she probably wasn't thinking about that, but Jesus was. She was probably concerned for her son and and what he was going through. But Jesus understood that she needed someone. And so he looks at John and he says, John, you're going to be the protector and the provider for my mom. Because in that culture, at that time, women would have just been out on their own. They wouldn't have had anyone to protect them, anyone to provide for them. So Jesus was more concerned about those that are near to him. Now I want to put that into Relating it to us today. How many have ever come home from a bad day and instead of walking through the door and smiling and saying it's so good to be home, you started just showing your irritation and your anger towards your, your wife or your husband or your kids? Don't raise your hand. We're human. We're flesh. It's natural for us to to respond that way. Come home and, honey, you're not going to believe what happened today. And we start just spewing out all the stuff that we've gone through. And we're irritated and we're angry and and it rubs off. and, and, And what are you fixing for dinner? Why are you fixing that? I don't want that tonight. I'm hitting close to home, aren't I? (laughs) Kids, you're too loud. Hush. Go to your room. It's easier for us when we're in 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 a situation that's so hard and so bad to let that irritation just touch the ones that we love dearest that are so close. And Jesus gives us such an awesome example of what we're to do. We take care of them. We provide for them. We protect them. We love them. Amen? I love that beautiful picture. Why? Because I can relate to it. 
Believe it or not, pastors have bad days. You're going, really? How could you have a bad day? You're a pastor. I won't, I won't go any farther. Let's make sure we do what Jesus called us to do. Amen. And those that are dear, we protect them. In the fourth thing, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried. He cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This one's very simple and very pointed. When you're suffering from a horrible day, focus the hard questions to the Lord. God can take it. You can ask God, why me, Lord? What did I ever do to deserve this? That's the way we feel. We're being honest. God can handle it. We can give those difficult questions to Him. Lord, I don't understand. I'm trying to live for You. Lord, I don't understand why the car broke down. I don't understand, Lord, why there's strife in my family and in my home, Lord. I don't understand, Lord, why I lost my job. We can ask God the difficult questions and God can handle it. Amen? Jesus here experiences something. This is probably the most dramatic uh, phrase that Jesus uttered from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus is experiencing something that he had never experienced before. He's experiencing the Father turning his back towards him. That intimate fellowship had stopped. The Bible speaks about two things that brought this about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, Scripture says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Jesus took all of our sin upon himself that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's the verse I quoted earlier. Aren't you thankful for that today? Now, I can't tell you how Jesus did that. I can't tell you how a perfect, sinless man would be able to absorb all the sin of the entire world from the beginning to the end. He, he absorbed all of our sin. But he did it. He did it. He paid the price. His record now is our record. When God the Father, I love this, when God the Father looks at you, he doesn't see your record of sin. Because Jesus paid for every sin. And what does he see? He sees Jesus' record instead of yours. That's why we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen! (laughs) Oh, come on, church. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm a sinner. I have failed. I have made mistakes. 
But I, I came to Jesus and I came to the cross and he cleansed me and with his precious blood. And I know without a doubt one day he's going to return or I'm going to go to be with him through death. But I know one way or the other to be absent from this body is going to be present with the Lord. Amen. I'm going to be present with Jesus. Why? Because my sins have been cleansed by the power of his blood. And there is no sin that you can commit that you can commit that's greater than the power of Jesus' perfect, sinless blood that was shed for us. His life was given for us. Amen. The second verse I want us to see is in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. Listen to this. It's very pointed. This isn't the only place this truth is brought forth in Scripture. But listen to this. But your iniquities have separated you from God. And your sins have hidden His face from you. So that He will not hear. Outside of Christ, there's no hope. You can be a moral person. You can strive to live a good life and treat others uh, by the golden rule. But that doesn't make you right with God. Every one of us, church, have fallen short of the glory of God. What God intended. But church, when we accept Him, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I love that. How about you? In that moment, Jesus was made sin for us. The Father had to turn His back on Him. That intimate fellowship that they'd always had was broken for that moment. And in that moment, Jesus doesn't cry out around Him. He's not complaining to the people. He's, he's not aiming the difficult questions to other people. And sometimes we do that. I guarantee you I have people come to me all the time with difficult questions. Why did God allow this to happen? Why did this take place? And guess what? I am not the fountainhead of all knowledge. I don't know. I'm just like you. And I'm not saying I don't want to be there for you and I don't want to comfort you and I don't want to pray for you. But I can't tell you all the tough answers. Only God can bring those answers to you and bring His peace, bring His grace, bring His comfort, bring His enablement for you to make it through the worst of days. A classic example is Job. If you're having a rough day, read the book of Job. You'll, you'll realize your day may not be nearly as bad as you think it is. Job chapter 2 verse 11, I, I like this. It says, now when Job's three friends heard of all his adversity that came upon him, each one came from his own place, for they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. That's what we can do. We can come and be there for one another. We can mourn with one another. And we can try to comfort one another. 
But we don't have the answers to all the difficult questions of of what happens in this life and the difficult things that we face. But I want to assure you, church, God, our Heavenly Father, has those answers today. He has those answers. So aim your hard questions at Him. First of all, two things when we address our hard questions towards God the Father. Your cry will not fail to be heard by Him. God will hear your cries. And He cares about what you're going through. He loves us with a love that's greater than any love that man can know. Secondly, there will always be an answer in God's time. We may not realize at that moment when God says, not right now, we don't like that. We we want everything instant, microwave, prayer, punch the button, there's the answer. Sometimes God is working in us, developing our faith, developing our character. He's working in our lives, and at those times, We trust Him even when it doesn't seem like He's answering us. He is still in control. He's working behind the scenes. He's going to take those tragic moments in our life and He will turn them around and bring good from them even if we can't see it. That's the God that loves us. He will answer us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, Scripture says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. What a powerful promise. It's not saying that God causes all these things. We live in a fallen world because of our sin. It's a world filled with sin and sickness and disease and all kinds of horrible, evil things. God didn't cause all that. Man did. But God comes into those situations, the worst that we face, the most difficult things, and He will turn them around somehow and bring good from them. Now look at number five, the fifth word. The fifth word is from John chapter 19, verse 28. Jesus says, I thirst. Now that sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? I thirst. We know that he was dehydrated. He was the sweat from his body, the blood that that was was coming from his body. We know that he was in excruciating pain and there had to be just sweat coming from all of his pores. He was dehydrated. But what's interesting, before this, they had offered Jesus, they had offered him a drink mixed with myrrh or gall. And it was a drink that would kind of deaden him and numb him and make him easier to control. And Jesus refused that drink because he needed to experience every bit of suffering and every bit of pain for us. I love that. But now he's asked for water. And I think it was more than just him being dehydrated. 
I think Jesus was asking for water to clear his throat that he could make the greatest pronouncement from the cross that was ever made. The next, the next word that he speaks is something that all of us love. It's the word from the cross that we get excited about, that we rejoice about, that we praise God for. The very next word is found in John chapter 19, verse 30. And Jesus simply says, it is finished. How many like that word from the cross? What is he saying? He was pronouncing to the world, to the universe, to all of creation, that God's plan had been fulfilled, that the payment for your sin and my sin was accomplished with his death on the cross. Everything was paid for. Nothing else had to be done. The end had come, and Jesus is pronouncing, it is finished. Hallelujah. I love that. To telestize the word in the Greek that he was shouting. And it thundered across the ages. And church, we can hold on to that in faith. And listen to this. We can hold on even in the bad days when things look so difficult. Trusting that there is coming God's purpose through this and that there will come an end. I want you to grasp that. If you're in the middle of one of those situations, don't listen to the lies of the enemy and say that they're saying this is just the way that normal life's going to be from now on. Don't listen to that. Don't allow that to, to settle in, into your heart. Have faith and trust. God, I don't understand it, but God's going to somehow turn this around and bring good out of it for my life. God's going to turn things around. I don't understand it, but He's going to do that. And this will not continue. How many have ever had a horrible day and you woke up the next morning and things were just as horrible? Come on. Why? Because the same situation, the same circumstances are there in the morning. Nothing has changed. So sometimes our bad days turn into bad weeks or even bad months. But I want to encourage you, God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. And there will come an end. <laughs> aren't you thankful for that you know so many times we focus when we when, a, when we lose a, a loved one and, and and our hearts are so broken and so hurt the church one day we're going to be just like them we're going to be set free from these bad days we're going to be set free from the difficult situations, from the heartache, the pain, the bitterness, the resentment, the anger, all those things are going to be behind us. We're going to be in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In His glory, we're going to experience His, His presence like never before. And all this is coming to an end. Every bad day will be behind us. And finally, church, the seventh word. Luke chapter 23, verse 46. 
Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I love that. What is he saying there? What's the point for us? It's surrender your bad day to the Lord and let it go. Surrender your bad day to the Lord and let it go. Your bad day is going to come to an end. You just trust Him. You place it in His hands. You know that no matter how difficult it is, God still loves you. He still cares for you. This week I was watching some, uh, some worship music and a, and a testimony of a man. It was powerful. And he, he, he stood up and he said, when I was a little boy, I was watching, I was listening to my mom. It was late at night. I had gone to bed. And I heard my mom crying in the other room. And, and we were about to be evicted from our apartment. He was a, 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 had a single mom and they were barely getting by. They were about to be evicted. And he, he was worried about his mom. So he gets up and he comes running into the other room. But his mother wasn't crying out to God, complaining or saying, God, why is this happening? He came into the room and his mother was, had tears in her, in her cheeks streaming down her face and she was thanking God for all that he had done, for all that they did have. And she was saying, Lord, this is in your mighty hands. I know that you have everything planned out. I may not understand it, but God, you're still on the throne and I am yours. I'm in your hand. That's the, that's, I'm not quoting, I'm just Sharing what was, what was on her heart. I was about to get on a run there and go with it. Amen? But he said all these years later, and he was a man now, and he was giving this testimony about the faithfulness of God even at the worst times in his life. God was still faithful. His mother wasn't taking it upon herself. She wasn't complaining. She was entering into praise and thanks to the Lord, knowing that He was going to see them through. I love that. So we give these things. We don't let them preoccupy us. So many times when we're going through a difficult situation... How many of you have ever had somebody that just really did you wrong? They stabbed you in the back and they twisted the knife. And how many of you were able to forgive them and give it to the Lord without going to bed, rehearsing it over and over in your mind? Getting up the next day, Oh, I should have done this. I should have said this. I really could have told them off. I can really get even. No, you give it to Jesus. You give it to God the Father. You place it in, in His mighty hands and you trust Him. You trust God with the difficult things in life. Even when we don't understand them, church. Even when it doesn't seem like there's going to come an end. Even when it seems like there's not any answers. God still is in control. He still loves you and He always has your best interest at heart. Even when you're struggling and you don't feel His presence. We, walk, we don't walk by sight. We don't walk by feeling. We walk by faith. 
We trust God. I want you to stand with me. Worship team, will you come? I want to ask our prayer team if they would come forward and at the back of the auditorium. If you're struggling today with a a bad situation, I want you to come and agree with them in prayer. We want to pray for you. Or maybe there's a friend that you have that you know they're going through a horrible situation right now. Maybe someone would like to come and agree in prayer for all those that are caught up in the war. People of Belarus and Ukraine and also Russia that are suffering because of all these things that are taking place. If you want to come and and pray or bring something to one of our intercessors as the worship team begins to, to play, we're not going to take a long time. Or maybe if you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Christ, you don't know that you're the righteousness of God. You still feel the shame and the guilt of your sin. Come and bring it to Jesus and let Him remove it from your life. There's nothing sweeter in this life than giving everything to God and committing your life to Him. Receiving that forgiveness for for what He's done for us. Amen. Will you come as the worship team leads us? Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you next time. And don't forget, you can support us by giving through the Church Center app or by going online at summitwc.com slash give.